You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sholem Alechem. Welcome and good day to you. Now that's a little bit of Yiddish in honor of the show being featured today, Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. It's an off-Broadway revival of the classic Bach and Harnick musical. I want to give a list of what it's been nominated for. Now being off-Broadway, it's not up for Tony's, but it's up for several, several prestigious off-Broadway awards, including it was nominated at the Lucille Lortel Awards for Outstanding Director, Joel Gray, Outstanding Revival, as well as Outstanding uh, Featured Actress in a Musical for Jackie Hoffman. And it won for Outstanding Lead Actor, Stephen Skybell. It has also already received a special citation from the Drama Critics Circle, and it won the Outer Critics Circle Award for Best Musical Revival. Now, the last of the big awards is the Drama Desk, which has yet to announce. And those nominations, it's up for Outstanding Director of a Musical, Joel Gray, Outstanding Revival of a Musical, Outstanding Orchestrations, Larry Blank, and Outstanding Actor in a Musical, Stephen Skybell. So when it comes to off-Broadway awards, Fiddler is certainly being nominated and also winning plenty of awards. Now, as I mentioned, this show is in Yiddish, which has actually never been staged in the U.S. until this production was presented at the National Yiddish Theater Folksbina and is accompanied by English and Russian subtitles. And my guest today from the show is James Monroe Shtevko, who plays Mendel the Rabbi's son. And to give you a little backstory on him, at the age of 18, after finding a newfound love for musical theater, he dropped his childhood passion of instrumental music and decided to become a dancer. And so he transformed himself into a dancer throughout college and landed his first job before graduation with the Milwaukee Ballet too. Now, here in New York, he's also performed alongside the Rockettes in that New York long-standing theater tradition, the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. But for now, James is enjoying his off-Broadway debut with Fiddler, and I'm so grateful that he's making his debut here on this show. So I joined James at the theater, stage 42 in Midtown Manhattan, to talk about his experiences with Fiddler and working alongside such an icon as Joel Gray.
James, thank you so much for joining me here in the, the lobby of the theater. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you play the role of Mendel, correct? Correct, the rabbi's which is, son. Which is actually something we share because back in ninth grade, I too played Mendel the rabbi's son. Everyone has a Fiddler <laughs> on the Roof role story. So had you done Fiddler before this production? Never. Yeah. I didn't even really know the show before I auditioned for it. I knew there were Jewish people and I knew there were Russians, but I wasn't quite sure what they did. So I didn't, I wasn't very clear on what I was So it wasn't like a show that you grew up watching the movie or had seen productions Not or anything all. like that. And, and what was that audition process like and, and getting into the show and, and this kind of material that you had to, to give them? Well, first of all, uh, I love to say, I remember, I remember distinctly sitting in bed, looking at my phone, looking at the equity website, wondering, do I even want to go in for this? You know, because it was a 10 a.m. dance call. Long story short, I obviously showed up to the dance call. It was character dance, and I saw that in the breakdown, and I love character dance. That's probably what got me out of bed to do it. We started off with doing Russian choreography from L'Chaim, which, if you have never done it before, is not the easiest to just pick up in minutes. Right. Especially for your quads. Mm-hmm. So, you know... We were doing clapping and turning in and out, which is great, fun. But then we got to the section where we crawl across the floor on our knees, different than what they do in the bottle dance. But my quads were busted for two and a half weeks after that. Oh, oh my goodness. I couldn't even walk downstairs. It was that painful. They, They were shredded. So we did the dance call. My quads were broken. And at that audition, we sang. They handed us a page of lines from the show in Yiddish. And our dialect coach, Motel, was there. He would say the line and then we, we repeated it. When, I, when he handed me the paper, I had almost a sigh of relief because I had studied German years ago. And this... It, it is very similar. I was looking it up. There, there is some similarity between German... Very. Yeah. Because, like, Guten Tag is, is similar yeah. in German as it is in Yiddish. Yeah. I was a little relieved to see that. Because it's so clearly mostly like 75% German, I'd say. So he said the line, and I repeated it back. And this is something I actually really love to do in my spare time, is learning foreign languages. Oh, Unfortunately, wow. nothing fluently yet. But <laughs> That is not a gift of mine at all. Oh, no I, I, I studied like three and a half years of Spanish and, yeah. you know, un poquito. That, that's, that's all about all I know. <laughs> well, school will ruin it for you. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a very different accent that I had no idea about. Mm. Anyway, I guess it was good enough because I got a call back, huge monologues to to do, and some uh, verses from The Rumor, which was very scary. (laughs) It's an up-tempo number. Mm -hmm. And so doing an up-tempo in a language you're not familiar with was was making me sweat. I did the monologue at the callback. For The Rumor, I I did one verse... Because clearly I'm trying to do this callback with the pages in my hand. <laughs> I, I would think you would have to. I mean, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no just going off memory for this. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I turn the page. My pages are out of order. Ugh. We have to stop. And then they let me, let me restart at the second verse. I get it out. And I leave the room, probably run out of the room, just sweating. Um, but that was that. And obviously we had to do the choreography again. Right, right. Along with bottle dance choreography. And then before I knew it, I got an offer and I was having to decide between this show and another Summerstock job. 
and I chose this, and now here I am, almost yeah, a year later. Yeah, because that was, yeah, I was about to say, that was uh, about a year ago yeah. when it started. And it originally was at a smaller, like, off-off-Broadway mm -hmm. place. And so how has that transition been coming from that smaller venue to now, now you're on 42nd Street? This whole journey has been unexpected and, like, a blessing the entire way. Because we were only supposed to run for about a month, month and a half downtown. And so when they extended us the first time before we opened, it was great. And then it just kept happening. And then at the end of the year, it came out that they wanted to move us. They were looking for a theater. And so just, just the fact that the show has gone on for what's going on a year now, right. we're, all, we're all so grateful. And to see how much it touches people who come to see the show makes it even better. There's, there's nothing about this process that has been anything but good. Mm -hmm. And so now that we're up here, down, um, I like to call it downstate, <laughs> yeah. the theater in the space was much smaller. We didn't have the room backstage that we have here at Stage 42. So that's a huge relief. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And for most of the cast, it's more convenient being up here. Yeah. Yeah. This is just easier to get to. Yeah. So, yeah, because a backstage area can make the difference between a pleasurable experience on stage or not, yeah. you know, just having the space you need. Well, luckily with this cast, we all get along so well. Even Joel has remarked on it like, this isn't right. You guys. <laughs> like, yeah, something should be going wrong here. Yeah. But no, that if. That wasn't the case if we didn't all like each other, if we weren't a real family, a real shtetl, there'd probably be a lot more problems than mm. <laughs> there are now. I can imagine. And and speaking of Joel Gray, I mean, what was it like walking into him? I mean, because obviously you saw him at the callbacks and yeah. then, then getting to be cast, work with him. How has that experience been? First of all, when I booked this job, I wasn't, I still wasn't quite sure about Joel. I knew he was the MC and Cabaret in the movie. Um, but when I told people, they, they were always so shocked and surprised. Oh, I hear that production with Joel Gray. I said, yeah, what, what do you know? And so I saw he wrote a book, Master of Ceremonies, which I read before we started rehearsal, which was great. And when I read that, I just realized what a legend he is. He's done it all. And, yeah. and so when we got to rehearsal was when it really hit me. This guy knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And he, not only is he so knowledgeable, he's so open and so caring and so grateful with each and every one of us, which is a huge relief because it gives you the opportunity to really be creative and not be scared. And as an actor, you, you need that. Yeah, yeah, you need that space to just kind of be vulnerable, make mistakes, try this, try that. Yes, and trust me, when each of us showed up for the first day of rehearsal, <laughs> we were the most vulnerable. Oh, right, right. Because, yeah, you're about to do an entire show in a language that I, I assume most of you didn't know. There were probably Correct. a few that knew Yiddish or maybe yeah. had that in their background. There are a few who have done Yiddish productions okay. before with the same theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, that National Yiddish Theater? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But for the most of us, it was a fish out of water. Ugh. And I felt, like I said, more comfortable because Yiddish is very much derived from German. Mm -hmm. So the okay. thing was like that first table read. <gasps> and we still hadn't had a dialect coaching. Oh, 
I'm sure you're I was sweating wedding oh. balls. Oh, I can't describe how nervous I felt mm-hmm. as my lines slowly approached. <laughs> but we were all in the same boat. Because because I, I remember I remember doing Mendel that, that there's really that one big scene. That I, I can't remember if it's like when everyone's drinking, there's like a t- time. And, yeah, there's and buttermilk cheese. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so there's like really one big scene that Mendel has and then he kind of pops in every now and then. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've, I remember if... All of that being in Yiddish, I can only imagine that you were just like, okay, don't, don't mess it up. Just keep, just keep talking. Just keep saying something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I got it out. He, they did record our lines before rehearsal, so I was listening to those. My goal was to go into oh, rehearsal okay. with my lines memorized, which I, I did. Um, did I look tear my eyes away from the script? No. Right, right. <laughs> but I did it. <clears throat> um, and then afterwards, the dialect coaches were with us every day. Hmm. And after every scene, constant notes. Because not only do we have to pronounce it right, but it's different because we have this this idea of how we want to act our lines. But what we don't have is a background knowledge to say, oh, um, a person speaking Yiddish would say it like this. That's what we don't have. And oh, that's right, what right. They, the other job they had for us as dialect coaches was not to just have us pronounce it correctly, but really give us an idea about what would this person really say this like, which is difficult because as an actor, I don't want to say the word line reading. Yeah, it sounds like because you have to like stay within the, the realm of, yeah. of, of a Yiddish actual person. Yeah. Right? You, you can't just bring James onto the stage. I and mean, I'm sure part of you is on there, but you still have to fit within the Yiddish box. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, we are all still definitely there in our roles. We we just needed that extra expertise mm-hmm. from these dialect coaches. And now here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and now I own the role. I've got the role down. It's but still. Do those dialect coaches still come back every yes, now and then? Yeah. He was just here for a rehearsal because the understudies are going on. Oh, okay. And they need coaching on their understudy roles. And they still come to the shows, and we can still get notes. I know my lines. I've been performing it for almost a year now. But each time I say my lines, it still takes such intense concentration, Mm -hmm. which I actually enjoy because of my hobby of studying foreign languages. That's what I love about it. Because each language is almost its own music. Very true. Yeah, very true. Yeah, because I did a uh, an Argentinian show Ooh. on a uh, on, on a cruise ship, and so we had to do not just Spanish but Argentinian yeah, Spanish. It's specific, right? Yeah. And then and then I've done Light in the Piazza, and so in that the the Italian father Nacarelli, he is is all Italian. A few English words in there, but it's all Italian. So we had a, actual Italian people come in and again give us that. Not not just the pronunciation, but also the the way that they would say it. Yeah, you know the intensity, the the energy. There, there's like a an Italian inflection. I assume it was the same with the the Yiddish language as well. Yeah, and that was also hard with me because living in New York, we know that there <clears throat> there's stereotypes of Jews mm-hmm. or Jewish people, and as someone who's not Jewish, it wasn't my goal to present those and try to take that on as being Jewish. That's what I was scared of in this process. Right. And so I didn't do that. I tried to just play it as myself, as I was directed to without adding those things on. 
And if it if anyone had found it necessary, then I'd say, okay, I'll add that to my character. But it wasn't. And so, yeah, I think I made the right call as an actor. Right. Avoiding those things we consider to be standard within the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, you, you want to present not stereotypes on stage. You want to present yeah. the actual people as, as they would be living in, the, in that type of environment and yeah. era. And they're yeah. just real people. Yeah, that makes total sense. So with regards to learning the lines and learning the music, was one easier than the other? Is there one that you, I guess, took two uh, better than the other? I just slogged through it. They're both the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it required. And I don't think the work was actually any different than learning English lines and scores, other than I had to focus on pronunciation. Right. Which, like I mentioned, is something I like to do anyway. So it was just repeating. I have this um, trick a teacher back in Chicago taught me. Just say the lines 10 times in the morning, 10 times a night. Don't even act them. Don't try to memorize them. Just yeah. say them. Repeat them. Mm-hmm. And that what's really what really helped me. Yeah, because it's amazing what muscle memory can do. Because I've certainly been on stage where you're getting halfway through a line and then it's just like a fog at the end of the oh. line and you don't know where you're going. But the muscle memory takes over and your mouth moves and you're like, okay, there it is. Trust me. That syllable comes out and then you're, you're back on track again. In this show in particular, <laughs> we've all had that moment. We're standing on stage we hear our cue coming and we're just standing there. What is my next line? And this isn't just any show. Mm -hmm. Luckily, maybe I could fudge something if I needed to, but if my line's not there, Lord help us. (laughs) Because we don't speak Yiddish. Most of us don't speak Yiddish. And and so to just be standing there basically naked, we can't speak English. Right, because it really depends on the other person saying the right cue line that you can recognize to say your line and back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And so luckily, I've had a couple of those moments. I'm standing up, oh, no, oh, no, what's a what? And then it comes out, and boy, am I so thankful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now, now coming from a dancer background, what was yeah. it like taking on, you know, not just an actor role, but also taking on something that was that was so monumental in its dialect and its language. I'm glad you asked because, like I said, the language didn't bother me. That was great because I already do this at home. It <laughs> just was, in your spare time. It was just the sheer amount of lines because uh-huh. Mendel is quite a large role and he has a verse in the rumor. All right. Um, and most people don't know who Mendel is. They don't realize he is the rabbi's son. They don't even know his name. I'm referred to twice by name in the buttermilk cheese scene. That was the biggest deal for me. And then working with Joel, this legendary actor, on these large lines in a foreign language. In the foreign language was the problem working with Joel with all these lines. I felt even more clueless. Like, am I doing this right? Who's to say? Because <laughs> yeah. it's Yiddish. The thing we Joel did have us do was we rehearsed everything in English first. I was just about to ask, did, was there ever a moment which you did it in English to kind of yes. at least get the story and get the intention and then put in the Yiddish? Yes, okay. which was brilliant. And it never occurred to me to do that. <laughs> because was this is this an, like an exact translation from the musical version or did they alter it in any way? Essentially exact. Okay. There are a couple Yiddishisms within the show that have... I just taken on a deeper meaning Mm. through the translation because they were able to do that in reference to specific holy books that we're referring to. But yes, it's very exact. And if anything, it's even closer to the Sholem Aleichem story that 
the show is based on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then they can actually like pull from the, the actual people, you know, rather than like some Americanized retelling of it. Yeah. yeah. And the thing I find really fascinating is when they wrote this show, they were actually trying to make it less Jewish to make it more universal. And now we've, Done the exact opposite. Right, you're, made you're it the like, most Jewish. Yeah, you're digging into <laughs> yeah. to, it's Jewish all the way yeah. through and through. Now, with the audiences that come to it, I assume that you know a large Yiddish Jewish community come to it. But how has their reaction been? How have English speakers? What has there been a difference in their reaction to it? It's the same across the board, which is the best thing to see. Obviously, we have the audience we expect we're going to have, and then when people. Goys like me, Gentiles, they come to see the show, and they say the same things. They were crying. It was one of the best shows they've ever seen, and how it affects them, and how reading the supertitles, and how the Yiddish wasn't a big hurdle for them. That's what's the best praise I get. Yeah, because the last time that I read, uh, read that I watched something that had the, the supertitles was Children of a Lesser God. Same kind of thing with sign language. And then, of course, so thus us mm-hmm. hearing folk can know what they're saying. And yeah, for, for the most part, it, it, it wasn't a distraction. And, and in fact, there were times yeah. when, when I would stop reading, you know, just for, you know, a few seconds or, or this or that, just to kind of watch the scene. And it was interesting to just watch because it's such a physical language sign language is mm-hmm. and and to watch that and i assume that even though you don't you didn't speak yiddish before that taking on this language puts a different physicality in you absolutely yeah and that's my favorite thing because everyone says the yiddish it transports you to this world mm. and I, that's what I love about language because each language has that feel that the physicality or the music to it and it it's inherent in the words in the speech patterns and it, putting the show in Yiddish it really does transform you it takes you out of New York City and here you are in the shtetl yeah. and that's I'm what makes me so happy is getting across to everyone who comes to see the show Now, getting to life before Fiddler, yes. yes. So, what was it that initially brought you to New York? Even the usual auditioning. I had been working in Chicago, and I love Chicago. Still do. I miss it. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite um, cities. My original plan was to be in a ballet company. It never occurred to me to be a musical theater until it started happening. I left Milwaukee Ballet, and I started doing operas, dancing in operas, which made me fall in love with opera. But um, Again, lots of languages to, yes. to learn and read. And, yeah. You know, as a freelancer, you go through periods of unemployment, and people would come to the opera from New York to dance, and I was meeting them and learning from them and hearing about life in New York. And so one year, I got the idea to come to New York and do some auditions, and yeah, obviously I got the bug. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, you, the the hustle and bustle of the city, and it was all magical. And then it started to become a habit. I would I like to travel a lot too, so I would work in Chicago, and then for the summer I would come to New York, and that happened for a few years. I was subletting, doing the thing, and then going back to Chicago for work, and I actually really liked it. But um, 
yeah, it was just getting a little too nomadic. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to travel, but I didn't have a home base, which was really frustrating me. So what led you to choose New York over Chicago? Just the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm stuck here. Chicago will always be there. New York will always be here. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's the most opportunity here, even for training. Like I could go to a dance class at most times of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's everywhere, anytime, weekday, weekend. Yeah. yeah. Year round job opportunities, potential job opportunities. <laughs> that right, we right. all know. You get to audition year round. Yeah. <laughs> the actual work. That's a that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is the place to be. Mm-hmm. And I got a couple signs that I thought I was ready for it. I had an opportunity before Radio City. Unfortunately, that fell through. Trust me, it got me down real bad because I had turned down another real good job for this opportunity. Oh, don't you hate that. But oh. I said, you know what? That was a good pat on the back for me. And so I think I belong here. Mm-hmm. And then I came and I worked at the Met, which is really cool. That's and then awesome. I worked at Radio City. And so I'm doing well here and I, I enjoy it. But it's still hard um, because with all that opportunity for work, with all those auditions, that's so much more opportunity to hear the word no. <laughs> which no matter how tough, how tough you try to make your skin... It, it still weasels its way in, and you have to know how to manage it. Well, I mean, and, and I know for myself, it's it's a definite up and down. There are times where you're like, you're 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 on an upswing, and you can take it; it's fine, and you just yeah. kind of keep pushing on. And then there's those times where you just don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, and, and you're like, well, they're not going to see. No, they're not interested. I, I, they've cast. You know, you come up with all the the reasons yeah. why not to go to that audition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it's it definitely peaks and valleys that you have to learn how to manage. The valleys are yeah. the ones you have to learn how to manage. The peaks are great. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you don't need any any help in knowing uh-uh. how to navigate those. Um, so with your auditions, uh, has it mostly been on the dancer track, or have you, have you put the yeah. singer-actor in there as well, or is it all mixed in? Mostly dancer first, and that's always what I was going to, dance calls. Last year, I remember, I remember real hard, because I study voice regularly, and there was something, yeah, this sounds good. I would take this into a singer call. And the hardest thing for me is to go to that singer call mm. and do that. So I tried it. And I mean, honestly, you got to go and you got to go to auditions and be bad. It happens to everyone. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I am trying to do more of that. Even though I do love dancing and I'm discovering, like I said, because I can go to any dance classes at any time here in New York. And I've been toying with hip hop lately. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Which is outside my realm. But that's what this career is about, is going outside your comfort zone. Right, right. It's it, Whether it's your body, whether it's your voice, it's about moving it, using it in different ways, so to really stretch it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and really grow from that. Yeah. Even, even if, you know, you do one or two things well, if you try five or six, great. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, knowing I was coming to meet you today got me thinking, like, I I try to build a really tough skin for all, the, all that rejection that we all get no matter what. But... The thing I I wanted 
to to keep to myself the most was because when I dropped trumpet playing and began dancing at 18, I realized that was potentially a really stupid move, (laughs) but really bold. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, thinking about this interview today, I just said, you know, I venture to be as bold as I was back then, still today. I want to keep that boldness Mm. and not let it go because it worked and it still required day in and day out to put ourselves out there on the line for these auditions and training. It takes cojones. <laughs> <laughs> to borrow from another, uh, another yeah. language. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this city is not easy and this profession is yeah. not easy. And both of them combined can, can really start to wear on you. Yes. It, it's, it's its own, um, I guess, force to kind of utilize, but also combat against mm-hmm. and, and, and to keep going. Yeah. But I, I was thinking about back when I started dancing at 18, I still spent my first year of college as a music major. I took modern my first semester, which I wasn't very excited about. It was Horton. Still not to this day. I might get some um, hate mail about that. Um, but then I finally took ballet my second semester, which is what I really wanted to do. And so it wasn't until my sophomore year that I was completely a dance major, dance day in and day out. And I had three years to get a job in dance, which to me, just today, thinking about it, is mind-blowing. Yeah, because, I mean, what I know of dancers who like dance, they've been doing it since they were five. Yes. You know, and so they lived it and breathed it. And, and, and then got to college and then were able to like really explode onto the scene or whatever they... Yeah. And trust me, when I left uh, after graduating college, I wasn't perfect. I'm still not today. But there was something about my blind boldness that that really worked. And that's what I was saying. I really... I need to embrace that still today. Because we're always learning. It's never perfect. There's, we're never going to reach that place mm. when we're like, oh, finally I can just relax. Yeah. It just, I've realized it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I've, I've even at times thought in my life, you know, where, where I'm, I have a good job or I, maybe I have like a job and a job coming up. Yeah. Those are always Real nice. nice. Um, but yeah, I've, even in those times when I've thought I could relax, I thought, okay, now I can settle back in, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm reminded that, you know, this show goes away or it closes early or whatever may happen. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to get back out there yeah. and, and keep going. Yeah. It's, it's like all your muscles. You got to keep them in shape. Mm-hmm. Always working. It, the mind is also a muscle. You got to work it out. And exp- you got to keep your mind interested. And so that's what's gotten me into hip hop recently. By no means, I wouldn't say I'm about to go be a backup dancer, but no, no Beyonce in your future yet. Um, I don't think so. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going <laughs> to. Right, right. You're going to be bold, and if that opportunity comes, <laughs> yeah. But it's it sparked reinterest right. in the art form, which is really cool. And I definitely think no matter what, there's something I'm going to take away from this mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm going to use without a doubt. Same thing with acting in Yiddish. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. If, after this, uh, acting in English is going to be a breeze. 
<laughs> you know, I haven't thought about it like that. But yeah, once you do a show like this, it's like, right? well, then I could do any show. Yeah. Like, if, if I can accomplish this, do it for a year or however long it's going to go. Yeah. Do, do you see yourself sticking with the show un, until it's time? I would love to. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't ask for anything better doing it this unexpectedly popular show off-Broadway here on 42nd Street in a foreign language, which... What has been a dream of mine to do a show in a foreign language. Okay. I didn't think it'd be here in New York City, but here I am. Yeah. And once I started working on the show, obviously I watched a movie movie before we started rehearsal. I realized, wow, this show is just so well written. And that's why uh, the, it comes the back music, again the, and again. Like, like for me, I, I, I do love the story and it's such a uh, an intense and, and heartfelt story. But the music <laughs> is so perfectly integrated with it. And yeah. it's, it's such a wonderful score. And the... But the book itself mm-hmm. is just, it's a really good story. Yeah. And I did an interview recently with the Yiddish Book Center on my experience with Yiddish. And I kept repeating, I want people to realize this isn't a show about Jewish people. It is, but it's a show for everyone. It's Anyone's, a Jewish story that applies yes. to everyone. Right. And that's the great thing about the show is it has a real good message that's told in such a great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had spoken about being bold and and maintaining that, you know, from your 18-year-old self. In this past year, as you've been with Fiddler and had that stability of a job, what have you been doing to kind of keep yourself bold, to keep yourself on your toes? Advanced beginning (laughs) hip-hop. I mean... All right, all right. So there you go, listeners. If you're ever just feeling complacent, lazy, take hip-hop. There you go. Or if you're already a hip-hopper, go to ballet class. Right, right. Do the do the reverse. Yeah, yeah. Because I have, I can imagine. Now I'm not a dancer at all. So that that like, just watching someone who can move is an amazing marvel to me. Um, but but yeah, I can imagine, and I've heard that ballet is like one of the most technical and difficult of the dance disciplines, and then hip hop has its own difficulty in its in its sphere. They're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. They're different, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. They're, I would say they're both equally as difficult in their own way. and Because there's, there's, a, there's a detail, there's an intricacy to the movement that has to be very precise. So much, yeah. yeah. Ballet has this certain style of coordination, and then hip-hop has this other coordination. And yeah, it's, it's good to work both, both ends. Yeah, they're both equally as difficult. It's like working your belt and your... You're legit. Right, right, right. It's being able to, like, you know, grunt out a rock song and then sing, you know, If I Loved You from Carousel just as beautifully. It keeps you flexible Mm -hmm. mentally. And that's what I appreciate about the challenge. And the class, the hip-hop class I've recently started taking, oh, she demonstrates a combination. Sarah Burke at Steps, by the way. She demonstrates a combination, and I just... I start sweating. I said, oh, my God, I'm in the wrong class. And this is advanced beginning. But then afterwards, she breaks it down in such a brilliant way that by the end of class, I'm doing it. Or at least I think I'm doing it. You're doing approximation. <laughs> yes, a it. good approximation. <laughs> but that's what, that's what it takes. It takes that tiny spark of confidence for anything. Mm. If I didn't have that when I started dancing when I was 18, I never would have gone anywhere. I never would have made it. I never would have made the the jump. It's about those small wins. Mm. And yeah, you have to fail. It's not going to be perfect once I when I turn it out at the end of an hour and a half. 
but it's about feeling like I accomplished something, no matter how small it was. Right. There was some part of it. There was some movement that maybe you didn't get it. You finally did or whatever it yes. is. Yeah. Something I haven't been able to do at the club on Saturday nights, but now in <laughs> but class now, I learned it. On Saturday night, you can bring yes. that advanced beginner technique. Yes. Trust me, I will here at Hell's Kitchen after the show. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you mentioned that face that you get when she was teaching or demonstrating because there is a certain, and I've been told this obviously the mirrors are there but I, I i can't look at the mirror i cannot watch myself if there's a dance combination i, I just look at people's feet i just try to, to keep up but i've been told that there is this face that it, it's like a heaviness it's like i'm concentrating but also sad about it because because it's just like sad. it's just like oh what am i gonna how am i gonna yeah. how what am the yeah. task seems so overwhelming oh, oh oh it does it does because getting my body to move in that way it's it's it it really is it's just like lifting a, a thousand pound weight to to try and move that way so so for dancers it's it's it, it's it's amazing to me that you're able to just like, and five years later be like, oh, remember that callback that I had? Whip it out, pop, 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 pop. And yeah, do you still remember now, your dances? That I can't do. Okay, but what I what I do remember is, I, what got me into dance is musical theater, as you mentioned, and that was junior year of high school. I decided I was because I'd gotten into choir because it was the biggest band geek. All I cared about was band, so. I didn't care for academics. <clears throat> I wanted to do more music. So I joined choir. And that's how I learned about, you know, the musical, which I previously had no interest in. So it was Pippin, junior year. I decided to audition for it. And they had a dance call for us all. And I, I remember, I, had, I didn't know what dance was, but we learned it. That trio from Pippin with the leading player and two backup. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah. yeah and yeah, I, remember. I remember I learned it. I performed it as far as I know. And then I went home and I enjoyed it so much. I, I did it at home. I think back now, because I can't remember past dance calls to save my life. There are too many of them. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm getting more into teaching myself. And so when I look at someone who's not approximating the step well enough i wonder how i did it myself because i didn't know i couldn't dance it never occurred to me i didn't i didn't i had never seen dance i'd never thought about dancing actually <laughs> so i just did it she showed it and then i just did it yeah and so i guess i just had a base amount of talent in me and without that i couldn't have Going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously to start at 18 and then three years later to be picked up by a ballet company. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's, that's, that's says something about what was already innately a part of your body and, and yeah. an ability to connect with it and move with it. Yeah. An ability that I was not blessed with. And it's, and, and that's why probably as much concentration as you have in speaking Yiddish is the concentration I have to have in just going through a little two-minute dance break in, in the middle of a musical. Yeah. Yeah. That said, um, from that Pippin dance call at junior year of high school, right. they still didn't cast me as a dancer. How dare they? <laughs> How dare they? <laughs> Which I really like Did to look back Did they not know what you were laugh. going to be? <laughs> I guess not. No. <laughs> so was, uh, was Pippin your first introduction to, uh, to musical theater auditioning and that world? Yes. We don't really watch musicals growing up. I remember in middle school, we did play a Fiddler on the Roof medley. Oh, okay. I didn't know what Fiddler on the Roof was, but we played it. 
And yeah, that was my first musical. And then I did Senior Year Camelot. Ah. As uh, what's his name? That's a wonderful. The Evil Kid. Oh, Mordred. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, that was so bad. There's still home videos, but we all have those, <laughs> don't we? <laughs> right? Oh, I, I, unfortunately, I only got one one tape of uh, my high school. We did a lullaby at Broadway. You're and, uh, yeah, so that was the only tape that I have. Those are those are a lot of fun. So so now that you've been in New York, for, for, for how many years now? You've oh, been I, here? people ask me all the time. And uh, Right, you have to count backwards and be like, uh... Well, because I've been back and forth so much. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, hard to say. So, so the official move was when? Oh, I say two years ago. Oh, because okay. I still went back to Chicago last year for a job. Oh, okay. So you still you still kind of bounce back and forth, but New York is is home now. Definitely, I've signed a lease. Definitely. Oh, oh, so first lease in years. Okay, all right. So you're a New Yorker. You you have yeah. a lease. You have a lease. So, do you see musical theater becoming like also part of your? Repertoire, or do you want to go back to ballet and, and focus on that? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No. Okay. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I think um, ballet comedy days are past me. Yeah. Uh, I still have guested. I do guest in Nutcrackers, which is okay. very typical for men to do during Nutcracker season. But yeah, ballet is far behind me. Yeah, I'm kind of enjoying exploring these forms of dance that I've either shied away from or always been interested and never have explored it. And also, like I said, I'm studying voice regularly, really trying to focus on that. What appeals to you now? Because you were an instrumentalist and then you focused on dance. Now you're kind of in the musical theater world. What is it that's interesting you now? What is it that's kind of keeping you in musical theater world? I love music. Just music in general. Yes. And that's that's, that's been the common thread through all of it. Yeah. That's what I had to find, find out myself. Because... I did miss music, performing music, when I started dancing. Hmm. I missed it. I miss looking at the notes on the page. And so that's what I really like about being in musical theater, is I get that opportunity. I get to dance and also sing. That is true. I hadn't really thought of it like that. But but a dancer is really, I guess for lack of a better term, it's it's reacting to the music. You know, it's a, it's, it's a physical interpretation yeah. of the music. Whereas... An instrumentalist or a singer is actually a part of the music, is, is part of creating yeah. the music. And so, yeah, the, there is a different connection to the music than yeah. just dancing. And even between mm. singing and trumpet playing, it, it's still not the same. I miss instruments, holding something in my hand, pressing keys, l- l- staring at the notes on the page. But yeah, it still fulfills that piece in me, yeah. especially when I get to sing harmonies. Right, right. Yeah, my favorite part. <laughs> now, because trumpet was also my my first instrument for like six months. I like I like train, but then uh, at, at our school we had to decide between band or choir. There was uh. no way to do both. So I was like, well, I'm gonna go with choir. W- what I learned of trumpet was very interesting, as you said, getting to harmonize and create that sound with a group of people. Yeah, doing. So many other instruments. Yeah, that singing harmony is the closest that we singers get to that. And different voices, mm-hmm. different you know pitches and everything and making it all come together. That reminds me, I remember reading some, I, can't, I wish I could remember, it was a quote from a, a famous ballet dancer. She said, because when you perform a role again and again, especially in ballet, because you'll perform a role and then come back next year and do the same role, you, you have people ask, do you get sick of this? Are you tired of it? And she said, no, it really helps to listen to different instruments in the orchestra. And after almost a year of performing Fiddler on the Roof, 
I'm also, I'm taking that advice and listening to things I haven't heard before in the music. Hmm. And that's what keeps my mind going. Because this is the longest show I've ever performed. Longest running show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I had to get through that hump of, oh, it's the same show. And then the same show. But now it's actually not a problem. Because the music is so good. And our orchestration yeah, here. Yeah, really how different. big of an orchestra do you have? Uh, I think it's 16. Which is fairly sizable. Yeah. Especially for an off-Broadway musical. And it's a little reworked, so it has a middle, little more of a klezmer feel to it, which I love. I love folk oh, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's not so musical theater. It's a bit more yeah. indicative of the actual mm-hmm. Jewish, Yiddish community. Gritty, yeah. earthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. it's it's actually a production I haven't seen yet, so I, I do hope to get to to come and you see must. it. Oh, oh, I know. Well, especially now hearing you talk about it, now I really want to see it, and I hope that it's doing the same for you listening. Um, so, with with regards to looking forward, you know, obviously mm-hmm. this show has has been extended. You're kind of going to go through the summer. What do you see for yourself for the show going forward? Well, for the show, I can't say. Yeah, yeah, it's um, going to last as long as it lasts. Yeah, right. And I would. Uh, It'd be really cool to be here through the entire duration, uh, however long that is. Um, after this, yeah, it's got me thinking about what's what's after this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to focus on right now, using my spare time for training. Because I have the luxury of not having to audition right now, and I can use that time to my benefit. And that's what I really hope to accomplish by the end of this run, whenever that is. And then after that, yeah, for me, it's taking on potentially larger roles. I mean, I've Mendel's pretty big now, and I'd really love to use my voice. Yeah. Because speaking in Yiddish as an actor, it's also, it's a vocal art. Oh, absolutely. And it's just one more thing to add. Now, have you actually learned Yiddish? Are you able to converse in it now? I could have a simple conversation. Okay. I, it sparked my reinterest in German. And so I continue to study that more. Okay. And there's uh, another cast member who also has, a, has studied German in the past, who speaks more Yiddish than I, and we converse in German backstage just to keep oh, okay. it working. Does, it, does going back and forth, does that ever like mess with your mind, German to Yiddish? Sometimes I'll mix it up. But like on stage, I know my lines already so yeah, well. Yeah, it's not yeah. an issue. And yeah, you find different ways to, because it's not a language that's native to us, then you mm-hmm. find different ways to to kind of, maybe a moment is different now. You know, you're saying a line a little differently. And, yeah. And, and so it's still an exploration with every yes. show. I, that, I think even more so than when it's, when it's English, when it's your native tongue, because you're really having, as you said, you really have to concentrate on those lyrics. Yeah. And... Maybe a certain lyric, maybe a certain line pops out to you that didn't before. And that's what keeps me in in the moment every time is thinking about the pronunciation and how much I enjoy it. Because at this point, I mean, and certainly you know, which I think was so smart for Joel Gray to do, you know the English storyline as far as what's happening in the yeah. scene. So you're able to follow along Yiddishly <laughs> oh, yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean in, I, in your own brain. With the German background, I can understand most and everything anyway. Well, that, that's true. That does help you. Yeah. Yeah. You're able to, to actually to understand. actually listen, or rather than just listening for syllables that you recognize. Right. And then translating it in my head. Right. No, yeah. I really listen. 
Well, thank you so much. This has been a joy to talk to you about Fiddler and about, you know, about languages. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. No, this has been fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Thank you, James. As always, thank you for joining me on this episode. And don't forget to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Currently, this podcast has five stars, which I am so grateful for. And if you enjoy listening to these stories and interviews as much as I love being a part of them, then consider going to the website winmepodcast.com and making a donation to help further these conversations. Until next time, keep making it, and I'll see you then. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.